You're listening to the Acting Classes in Perth Student Success Stories Podcast, where we interview past and present students who have gone from beginner to a fully-fledged actor in less than 12 months. Let's start the show. Hi everyone and welcome, it's Lauren here from Acting Classes in Perth and this is episode number three of our Student Success Stories podcast, the podcast where we interview past and present students who have gone through and made some amazing progress with their acting and also with their lives. Now in this episode we're talking with Jim. Now Jim works in construction and engineering and so what's been quite interesting for Jim going through his process of learning acting is how he juggles his time and his availability between his paid uh, construction engineering jobs and then also his paid and sometimes unpaid acting work and how he makes them all fit. You know, he talks about the fact that sometimes he's available for auditions but not the shoot and vice versa. So he talks a little bit about that in this episode and he also leaves us with some really strong thoughts about just giving it a go and and trusting in yourself, you know, not always knowing where something's going to lead, but knowing that at the end of the day, you're going to be able to take so much out of it and, and everything you've learned along the way as well. And that's not just always about acting, but that's also about life. So I'm really excited to jump into this interview with Jim. Jim, thank you for taking a bit of time out of your day to have a bit of a chat to us. No problem, Lauren. Happy to be here. Now, I want to start off by kind of getting to know who Jim was before acting. You know, who was Jim before acting? When he was young, was there a a, a large component of creativity or, or acting in Jim's life? Or is this something that's only kind of come into his life later on? I think looking back... At my life as a younger kid, primary school and the like, there was that creativity there. There is a good creative streak in my family. Mum's an artist, you know, dad's musically trained, that sort of thing. So the influence was always there. However, I do feel that it has sort of been shaped and knocked out of me over the years. And, and due to the education system, I'll be honest with you there. You know, very much math, sciences, this sort of a thing. You push that way. Grandfather was an engineer, so I ended up going down that track you know it was a bit musical um, in terms of learning the piano and instruments as I grew up but in terms of some things I vividly remember I do remember in high school uh, English literature class we had to basically get up and recite poetry or something from one of the classics as well and I did really well at it and I really sort of surprised myself and I was quite a, a conservative introverted high school kind of a kid and it sort of went, oh, wow, holy shit, I've just come out and done this thing that's I've got an A for, and I just never expected it. So that's a real vivid memory I've got there. So I always felt that it was bubbling under the surface and in there, but just never had the opportunity to, to really explore it during school. Because I remember that the arts and drama and music um, system they had was only new to the school. It was a new school, and it was the year below us. So we sort of missed out. And then... Yeah, the, the next year got to do music and drama and everything and so we really really never got to explore that during during school and then university side of things nah you just get trapped in the old social life and things like that and it's only really later on in life it's sort of starting to creep to the surface again and you sort of look back and go god life's going by so quick man i need to take advantage of this get into it before it's too late so then at what point did you start to explore acting I would say it first came about from the public speaking side of things. Okay. Um, that's always a challenge for the majority of people entering into the business world particularly or whatever field you're in. If you have to get up and talk in front of people, there's always that innate fear. of. And that's of a part of your talk. job? It's a part of my job. It's a part of things like being a best man at a wedding, right. all those sort of things come at you in life. And I basically started with... Let's go and get trained. Forget trying to overcome your nerves and, and deal with stuff like this. Let's go to something like Toastmasters. And that really helped. It was really uh, an insight into telling a story, how to present yourself, how to communicate, I guess, is, is a good base um, element of it. And it sort of crept on from there. I've always been interested in 
the communication side of things, how to tell a story to people, how to communicate information, how to get it across, whether it's verbally, physically. Not saying I'm, I'm brilliant at it, but it's always been something I've read up on, yeah. blogs and things like that. And then when I saw your course on, I think it was Facebook, that someone was, um, I think it was Jerry the Oyster Shucker. Have you had him through your club? Do you know him? I'm, I... I'm not sure. Not sure. Old, older sort of a guy, but anyway. So he's someone I know. He's always in. He's in the like the famous oyster scene. I think he liked it or posted, and I it saw sounds it. Sounds familiar, actually. Yeah, I've seen it. I've that. seen it come up several times. I was like, all right, free actor class, three hours. I've been to a lot of seminars, which is obviously is an intro way of doing things. And I just on a whim one day, let's just go. Let's just go and do it. Take a risk. See where the hell it goes. And just bang, really, right. Let's let's push it a little bit further. Let's see what the the weekend course is like. And let's go. Let's build it to the skill set. Don't know where it's going to lead. Don't know what it's going to do for me, but I've got a taste of it. Yeah. Know? Okay. So and so, how long ago was that? That was the two and a half years ago. So that was about two and a half years ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And what has that led into? Like, what is acting for for Jim now? For me now, it's various things. I look at it as a multifaceted kind of a thing. I use it for entertainment, hobby, just doing something different. Um, a lot of it I use, and I use the word loosely, like therapy in yeah. terms. I, I use it as a form of, yeah, a form of meditation, so to speak, where you're just forgetting about the troubles of everyday life and who you are and concentrating on something and putting your energy uh, into that, that that enables you to, your mind to, to escape all the other rubbish and, and do that. I like the artistic and creativity side of it. Um, there's always been that quote, I, know, I don't know who it's by, but you know, I might be misquoting, but you know, actor leads, lives a thousand lives or 10,000 lives or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's been one well, similar to books, you know, that I think there's an equivalent quote that if you read a book, you're getting to get a taste or explore someone else's life without having to leave your home. You know, it's, it's a similar sort of a thing. And I thought, oh, this is just a fascinating way to look at life in terms of, I'm not saying you, you, you're possessing someone else's body, mm. but in a way you sort of are, you know, you, you're just escaping what you know and have been through and, and you're, you're getting to live in someone else's body for a while and seeing how they handle life, yeah, what yeah. life throws at them, you know. Yeah, definitely. And so would you say that acting has given you through that uh, different skills or, you know, abilities that have helped your everyday life? Definitely. Um, no, it's not to say I go and act out in everyday life if I want to be a different person or anything like that, but what it has done is given me more of an insight into the human condition, yeah. uh, how to relate to people and to also think a bit deeper from their point of view. You know, put yourself in someone else's shoes is an easy thing to say, but how do you do that? You know, there's always that initial conversation you have with someone and you've got a face in front of you making noises with their mouth. Now it's sort of, I look a bit deeper into their eyes and I sort of go, what's behind that? What's their story? What are they thinking of? Where do they come from? What makes them tick? What's influenced them? Why are they acting like they are now? Has it been because they've had a bad day? Is it a bad life? What's the backstory? You know, so to me it's helped in terms of understanding deeper layers of people, yeah. um, giving conversations and relationships probably a little bit more depth and texture and that sort of richness about it. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I sort of see. And I, and I observe a lot more deeply too. You sort of want to look at characters and go, oh, there's a little micro movements and expressions and what makes that person really happy in the office, what makes that person really popular that everyone wants to hang around them. You know, what's that dude's deal, that sort of a thing. So I think it's it's, it's really helped in terms of um, that depth of of inquiry into into characters. Are you naturally a analytical person? Analytical, yeah, but not in terms of being analysing people, so to speak. Okay. Um, I don't say analytical so much, but, but logical, you know, that sort of... Uh, X plus Y equals that sort of a thing. And sure. Yeah, it's obvious, common sense, that sort of stuff like that. That's it's not really the 
not the, my, my wife will say, you know, you're very high on the IQ, but low on the EQ sort of thing. Uh, right, right. Uh, I don't think I'm that bad. I think she's just, you know, I said, well, there's a lot of people you haven't met yet, man. That <laughs> I said, it's always, you know, comparing to what you know. Sure. Um, but I think that's that's helping a lot in that side of side of things as well. And you you don't act full time. You have a job. Yep. Um, what is your career? Career is in a nutshell construction engineering. So putting together big Meccano sets for the mining industry. So quite a harsh industry. Very much a schedule cost quality driven thing where I want this product for this price and you'll get it to me as soon as you can and I want it now now now. So there's a lot of you know, directness can be at times quite harsh, particularly when on site yelling, screaming, uh, high pressure, big value in terms of the product you, you're doing. And, and so, no, that doesn't sound like uh, many similarities with acting. It's not doesn't sound like much creativity in there. Uh, are, are there any similarities? Um, it isn't very creative. You would think engineering and design would be. There is room for innovation, but you'd have to look hard for it. You know, it's there's innovation in terms of how you approach a problem. You know, so the end product that you see that sits up in the air there might not be, you know, it might be copy and paste from many generations. And it's a slow sort of increment because at the end of the day, these things have people walking on them. Um, there's a lot of safety involved. Uh, if, you, if someone, if you, Lauren, said, I want you to build me a building, I've said, oh, I've got this really innovative idea and no one's ever done it before. And you go, well, hang on, man, is this thing going to stand up? Is it going to be able to handle earthquakes? And, you, you know, you want something that's tried and tested and, mm. you know, it's not going to fail. So they tend to be very slow moving in terms of the innovation and people don't want to go out there and try something new unless some other one companies that done it before and it's proven. But in terms of how you build this thing and the systems you use and the way you put teams together and that sort of thing, you've got a little bit more creative element in terms of how to approach it. And do you, you think that you may have, uh, you know, approached acting or, or the characters that you do in, in your acting, uh, you know, roles, auditions, jobs? Have you pulled anything over from your kind of engineering thought process so can you can you see that you might look at certain roles or certain characters in a particular way that's influenced by the environment that you're used to absolutely a lot of the stuff that I dealt with I don't know whether it was just me and the look in my face or whether I was drawn to those or people were drawn to me or that was just the kind of feel for the time there's a lot of family relationship kind of roles out there where a lot of student films were dealing with parent and kid relationships and a lot of the roles were they wanted a more of a so low socioeconomic, but more of a, a, and you know, I'll be honest, an abusive household kind of a thing, whether the father was abusive or alcoholic or, mm. you know, had domestic violence kind of issues with, with the wife, and that was a sort of a feel from that. And, I mean, I haven't experienced that personally, but you can see it on site. You know, it's, it's a harsh environment, particularly with FIFO, there's relationship troubles, there's, mm. there's drinking, there's some real rough dudes, so you can draw on those kind of influences to basically say, how would that guy go? Um, so when you're back on site, you're, you're always, uh, whether it be in a conscious or subconscious way, do you think you're always actor in the back of your mind, drawing and watching and observing? Potentially. I think there's, it goes in waves. Sometimes you just get too involved in work and you don't think of it. Yeah. But when you reflect on the end of the day or when you are conscious about thinking about a character you can draw back on the memory of the day or the past week and, and, and use it. it doesn't have to be constantly or instantaneous as you go along so yeah interesting yeah. and so when you were talking about the student films uh you know with a lot of the um the abuse there or the alcohol those the, themes the, yeah yeah those kind of themes we actually call those uh, a lot of student films we kind of have a name for them which is ddd films because they're always based around death depression or drugs yep um, and, and I think that's usually because that's what those young people are going through in, yeah. in some sense. So that's what they relate to and they're the kinds of stories they tell. Um, so so I guess that's really interesting that then maybe that's a greater kind of representation of, of society more than we think because you're, you're saying you can definitely see some of those elements in um, in the people that you might work around. Absolutely, and that's I think society's going through that too, that that's been hidden for so long that people are trying to bring those stories to the surface too to say, hey, look, that's out there, let's not be quiet about it, let's not be silent about it. Yeah, definitely. This sort of thing's happening, you know. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so you uh, have have a job. Acting isn't your full time uh, career or money earner. Where do you want acting to, to go to the future for you? Do you want it to become a full-time career or are you realistic in knowing that that's, uh, that is quite difficult and are you happy pursuing the career you currently have and then using acting as a, a creative outlet or as a, a hobby or, or, or do you want to commit to making it a career? I think that would be great if it, if it happened like that. I, am, I tend to be more conservative by nature and less risk-taking, although I've got a wife that's on the other side, so I think we go hand-in-hand. We're quite a good balance for each other and Mm. and sounding board. I tend to approach things as opposed to fully stopping one form of of income or one activity and then starting another one, have a lot of overlap, you know? Sure. One might be creeping up and I'm on the learning curve of that's increasing and the other one might be coming down at the same time. So you've still got the same volume of activity in your life. Yeah. But, you know, and, and I'd like to see it as a, as a transition. Okay. You know, not just, right, I'm going to quit work, never do that again and I'm just going to dedicate myself fully to this. I'm not really in a position where I can do that. Still got the house and the home and the mortgage and yeah. everyday life that can do that. You know, back in... If, if things were different in, in younger days where there was no responsibilities, that might be possible to just totally throw myself in and, and pursue that wholeheartedly. But, you know, life is what life is and I basically have to use a transition kind of a, a form to do that. Um, I have experienced a little bit of where the acting can be used in the corporate world or in the, in the business world. And I've always sort of been told that if you want to do a full career change, it's more of a two-step process. It's say you wanted to go from engineer to doctor, don't just quit one and go the other one. Do a two-step one, which is either do what you know, say for instance engineering, but then do it in the medical industry. So maybe you get into hospitals and that side of things and you're exposed to that and then make the second change to, to that career. So either change the job, stay in the same industry or keep the job and change industries and then do it, that sort of thing. So in terms of the acting side of things, I've seen a lot more of the corporate training videos if people want to do in-house videos or, for instance, I was recently on the Gina Reinhart Roy Hill one and they had a lot of filming. They were filming the whole process as we went along. So at the end of the day, they're going to have this, I don't know whether it was going to be a documentary or an in-house thing, but basically the journey of Gina creating her own mind you know, taking what her father's built, expanding on that, getting out of the clutches of the uh, the Rios and the BHP. And it was, this is the story of Roy Hill and this woman. And we were all a part of that. There was a lot of interviews. There was a lot of drones flying around taking footage. There was a lot of camera crews. And so I said, well, hang on, there's an opportunity to be, use the skills within the industry I'm in. Mm. And then maybe leverage off that, get into the more the PR side of things or public representation and, in-house videos and see where that leads. And yeah. then maybe that can then be expanded in, in other industries. And then you've done that two-step process and and changed careers, so to speak. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And so yeah. you are openly in, a, in a, a thought process of looking how you can bring the two together or, or progress, sorry, progress out of the, the kind of mainstream or direct career that you're in at the moment. Yeah, I'd like to get out of the mainstream. I wouldn't necessarily just totally ignore that industry. Mm. But like I said before, yeah, doing applying another skill set to the same industry mm. um, would, be, would be great. Is that a and thought then, that you had before acting? Or is this something that, that you've kind of realised is a, is a potential possibility since acting? It's been both. So I've understood the two-step sort of process beforehand, but I never had acting as part of it. It's always been, all right, I don't want to be a construction engineer anymore. Do I be an engineer in in a different field? Sure. And then do that for a while and then do a totally different job in that field. But what that job was, I didn't really know. It wasn't clear in my mind. Sure. So the acting has come in on top of that and gone, oh, okay, here's a potential in terms of what that other job could be. Yeah. So you've been acting now for about two and a half years. Do you know roughly how many auditions you've been to and or then how many roles you've done? No. 
Look, just uh, ballpark sort of figure. I did have a decent whack off because I was overseas for a while, so it was time. I shouldn't use the word whack off. No, did I, I? Know. <laughs> you, you had a decent <laughs> think what? I had a decent <laughs> period of time period away. of time away from, <laughs> <laughs> from the industry. However, I did. Uh, a few auditions over Skype or video um, submissions and the like, but but overall, not not a huge amount. Probably about ten, fifteen now. I would say in that auditions, auditions, yeah, yeah, and, and all roles, and all roles. Yeah, okay, yeah. so that's still pretty decent. Yeah, it is. It, it's quite surprising to me that they came as frequent as they did. I thought it would be harder to go and yeah seek those out and find those out. I'm interested to explore the the concept that you got that many roles in, in two and a half years. Yep. Through not really committing to acting as a career. No. Just kind of taking it as it comes, what opportunities were there. Yeah. Where, you know, we've spoken to other actors who are fully immersing themselves in it as a career and may only be doing... Um, you know, half the quantity that you've done. Do you know why there could be a difference? Do you know, is is it is it something about um, the way that, that you feel you may present yourself in an audition space or uh, is it just down to your pure, amazing, raw talent? You know, <laughs> uh, is, is there any idea? Have you ever thought maybe why you're getting more than other people? I have a lot of experience with job interviews, you know, so I'm 20 years in the working industry, so to speak, since leaving university. It's actually to this week, I think it was about 20 years wow. anniversary of being out there. I believe just possibly because of my age bracket, you know, I'm in early 40s now, that there may be a lot more roles and less people out there doing it. So the supply demand probably is in my favour yeah. in terms of doing that. I did approach the audition process uh, very deliberately from the beginning as here's an opportunity on how to deal with rejection. I haven't had a lot of rejection in life. You know, it's been relatively successful, did well at school, uni, this sort of thing, a few stuff-ups in uni and that sort of thing. Yeah. But it's like if I don't get it, no big deal. Let's just go in, use it as a learning process. And that's something your course has taught me too, that, you know, the first 10 maybe forget about putting too much emotional value in there and don't devastate yourself if you get the rejection letter or whatever it is because, you know, you're just starting off. Yeah, you're going for the experience. Exactly right. But, like you also said, because you don't come across with that form of desperation or I really want it and everything in my life is counting on me getting this, you're less likely to probably stumble and you probably come across a little bit more naturally and a little bit more comfortable and less nervous about it. Um, also I think I've honed in on just the basics. What do they really want? You know, it's like someone ordering a hamburger. I want a hamburger. And sometimes these things turn up and here's our hamburger. It's a deconstructed degustation fusion thing. And you're looking at this plate in front of you. Where's my freaking yeah. meat and two buns and things. So I think I, I've honed in and just, I'm only still so much to learn. It's let's just nail the basics. They want a character with X, Y, Z that can deliver X, Y, Z and, and do that. And let's put a little bit of flair on it. Or or if, if someone said, uh, you know, I want a hamburger. All right, let's give them a hamburger, but let's, how's it going to be unique? How am I going to stand out? All right, I'm going to give them a buffalo burger or something like that. And they go, oh, wow, I've never tasted that before. But it's still a hamburger and they can still recognize it and you're still delivering what what they want. Yeah, right. Um, so so you, you tend to not overanalyse or you tend to just go right back to those basics, I, the simple questions? I think, uh, and it depends on how much time you have in terms of preparation before the audition of what you've got. I tend to just concentrate on a few elements of it, say three, four, and try and nail those rather than to make it too complex and layered, and then you're trying to do 20 different things at once, but you might not necessarily be nailing any of them, yeah. you know? So I think just someone's asked for something, deliver it, um, and put a twist on it, but at the same time, they still want what they want in their mind. It's trying to understand what the, the writer or the director really is, is looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And just nailing that basic core side of things, 
but put one or two twists on it in terms of your uniqueness. Okay, interesting, interesting. And so um, you... Cut that out. And is there much work out there for, for actors just starting out? Surprisingly, I would say yes. I wouldn't say paid work. A lot of student stuff. Um, I have been paid a bit for some TV commercial side of things, for some extra side of things. Some, some of the student films are paid as well. But that's another thing too. Don't expect to earn a living out of it straight away. It is a hobby. You're still learning. You know, if you're learning a musical instrument and you've done six months of guitar, do you expect to get in a band and pay for it? Probably not. You know, it's, it's the same sort of thing. Be prepared to changing your mindset in terms of effort you put in for pay. You know, I've, I've come from a world where everyone wants to be paid for every hour they've worked. I'm not going to do that for free, forget it. I'm not going to change that mind. You're going out there to learn. Use it as a bit of a, or my way of approaching it was a bit of a volunteer kind of a, a role. Yeah. Um, you have to be careful too that you're not used for it as well. A lot of people will just hire, oh, sorry, volunteer, volunteer, it's a good experience for you. You get this X, Y, Z experience and, you know, and they guess they save a lot of costs by doing that. It's up to the individual how much they want to dedicate their time to their own learning and not really get paid for it. But at the same time, you know, if you want to learn things nowadays and go on a course, you have to pay for it. So here's opportunity to learn without having to pay for it. You're not getting paid, but it's, you know, there's, there's a transaction, so to speak, in terms of you're doing something for them as long as you walk away with improvement yourself out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think also, you know, when you're talking about some projects that, that aren't paying, as you go on, I guess you start to learn what are the, the, the higher-end projects and you can kind of see why they're not paying and you, you you kind of go, well, you know, they've got the budget for it, so why aren't they, you know, versus the student filmmaker who's probably got a $100 budget. Yeah. Um, and, and he's learning and or she's learning and you're learning and potentially you're building a relationship that you, you could work together later on when they get funding for, for projects in a few years. So um, it, it is really about picking and choosing, you know, where you're at and uh, and what might work for you. Oh, definitely. You know, it's it's the fundamental of it. It's it's laying the foundations for the future, like you've discussed with me before. It's you know, friends hire friends. Um, even if you don't want to be that sort of, um, what's the word for it? Uh, you know, there is a word. When people, <laughs> people hire their mates in in industry or their or their uh, their family, but it doesn't matter. You you can. Edit that out. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that. We'll cut that out a bit later. Um, nepotism, that's it. Nepotism. Nepotism in there. Uh, not making it look like that, but it's who you know. You know, in my industry too, you want to hire the guy that you've dealt with before, that's delivered the product before, and it's the same as, as a new job I'm approaching too. The guys there I've all worked with before, we want you on board. You know, you delivered in the past. We know what we're getting. Mm. Similar to the building or the engineering yeah. of the of the the, the building, mm. uh, in that we know that works. Yep. So that's why we want that again. Yes, correct. And it's low risk for me. I won't have to deal with an unknown quantity, um, and that's it. And if you've had to give that up in a previous life for free, well, you know the the investment. It's a return on investment, really. Yeah, absolutely. For the future. Yeah. How do you balance your 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 acting work and your career work? I would say it doesn't really balance. <laughs> it's a bit like a, how do you make it work? You basically look at the opportunities that come around and a lot of them don't work. You know, I've been available for the audition but not for the filming period or vice versa. Yeah, I can make the filming period you've got but not the audition side. There has been a lot of roles I haven't been able to do because of one or the other. Um, I've taken time off. I'm taking time off at the moment and really concentrating on knocking out quite a few acting roles while I've got the time off with work um you've got annual leave you've got days you can use to turn up to these things if you really want to make it work you'll find a way you know De and that's where i look at more the dedication side of things and the commitment if you really want to do something in life it's a problem in front of you it's a hurdle it's up to you to say not nah, too hard can't jump over that one or yes i'm going to find a way to make this work you know, whether you can speak to the 
producers and organize a different time if they'll do that for you or you speak to your, your boss and your employer and you have to do that. People are reasonable to a certain extent at the end of the day. If they really want you to continue working for them or they want you in that role, I'm sure they'll be a little bit flexible in terms of being able to arrange things outside the normal normal schedule, particularly the student films. I mean, Definitely got, student films. Definitely. The bigger productions, yes, you might have to be find a way from your, your day-to-day job to, yeah. to do that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about some of the projects you have been on, you know? Sure. So they started, the very first one I did was a Tropfest entry. So it wasn't student, it was just a private um, person who had done a lot of filming before, was doing it as a, as a hobby and a pastime. And that was purely a, was it, I think it was on the Star Now side of things. Yeah. So I applied for that. The script was delivered and it was a Skype video audition to start with. Right. So that was my first one I ever encountered. Didn't know what to expect, talking to this lovely lady over Skype. And it was more about what do you see in the character? This is the question she was asking me. Have you read the script? What do you think it means? Yeah. She would say, I'm still dabbling with it myself. I'm having troubles in these areas. Is there any way you can see how I can get around this or some directions I can take? How do you think the character is, you know? And then she was, I don't know how she was judging me because I could just see her face, what note she was writing, but she would suddenly stop and she'd say, that, what you just did then with your eyes, that little quirky expression, you look like a little kid with too many toys and that sort of, and that's the sort of thing I want. And so we had this long conversation over Skype, a good hour and a half, just talking about how the character could develop and what she really wanted out of it. Um, and then got back to me and then at the end of it said, oh, it came down to a close two of you, but you put more thought into it. You helped me a lot more with character direction. Um, I got lo- a lot more out of our conversation than the other ones. I want you to take the role. So, yeah. And it, fa- it sounds like quite a, a collaborative process from very early on. Yeah, exactly. So you don't know going into these things whether they have a very solid image of what they want yeah, or they're confused themselves and they've just got a basic concept and they want to sort of develop it on the run as well. Mm. And so how, how do you develop your, your characters? You know, let's say, let's say you get a role. Um, h- how would you go into developing a, a character? What's your normal process or steps? The normal one, and I'll be upfront with you. I think I've got, this is an area I've got a lot to learn in, and I'm not probably very good at it. I, like I said before, I still concentrate on on the basics in terms of nailing those. It depends on how much time they've given you to. If yeah. you've got only two or three days, sometimes you just have to do a quick rush job, basics, get it, and you know it might not be successful because of that. I tend to try and draw on what I know, so whether it's inspiration or imitation from family members or friends that I know and I try to pick and choose and and build a person from other people in my life. I'll take a little bit of Dave and Rob does this sort of a thing and, you know, Billy acts like this and this sort of situations and try and get those jigsaw pieces to meld Mm. and not make a Frankenstein monster kind of a thing because then it doesn't look real but then try and twist it a bit so it is a smooth-shaped person built from what I've seen and experienced because I've seen how that works in the real world. So you know that that's a realistic way that someone will go about it because you've seen it as opposed to just trying to invent it and be contrived by it. So that's my sort of process. Okay. And and you were talking before about the, you know, this very kind of early film that you were a part of. have you now been on some professional film sets as well as some student film sets? Yes, I've been on television commercials for Lottery West, yep. some, some paid gigs as, as extras, and some feature films. They recently filmed A Few Less Men, which is the sequel to A Few Best Men. Yeah, and which is a, a UK film, feature film that shot here yes, in Perth. Yes, correct. And that was a, a featured extra role in there as well. And most recently... Top Knot Detective, which will be an SBS feature and web series, I believe, is coming up probably about six months' time for that as well. So Fantastic. that's uh, yeah, so some, some really good stuff in there. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, and you wouldn't expect that from Perth. 
Yeah. You know, I don't really know the full extent of what Perth has seen before and what's yet to come and, and what it's like there, but I've been quite lucky in terms of these sort of bigger things coming along and being able to get on them. Yeah, absolutely. That that I, I think that stuff is um, has will definitely be a great stepping stone for you. And how do the professional sets vary, or how are they different to a student film set, other than the fact that there's uh, two hundred more people on a professional set? Exactly. So everyone has an assistant, and the assistants have assistants, <laughs> yeah. and, and there's 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 a lot more layers of people running around. You know, so you've got multiple of the equipment you're normally used to. So you're normally used to the, the, the poor student guy with his one camera and his one C-stand and his, yeah. <laughs> and his one shot bag. Exactly right. And so obviously you're doing a lot more takes and things to get your different angles, um, whereas these guys are able to do multiple angles and multiple shots. However, they do tend to do many more takes because they want that big, um, I guess, depth of of um, work that they can draw upon when they're editing yeah. and get a lot more of the subtlety in there and a lot more of the multi-angled shots and cuts and takes and, and whatever they're doing. Better so options, better choices. Yeah. A and in fact, when you, you know, traditionally when you, you shoot a film or, or when you write a film, I guess they, they, there's, there's two, they say there's two writing stages. The first is writing the script and then you rewrite the film in the editing process. Um, and you kind of go into shooting to shoot the coverage and get everything and then let's try to put that together and have as many options as we can in editing. Um, you know, it's no good getting to editing and not having a choice or an option there. So, um, you know, it's really, really interesting you say that. And I'm quite interested to know how differently the sets run. Are they, um, are, do they run a lot smoother on a professional project or, or have you been on student films that, that have actually run really smoothly and, and whilst they're still just student filmmakers, they may have been really professional? Absolutely. I've seen a variety of the student side of things where they have had a big entourage of people running around doing a lot of stuff in there and have had quite a lot of equipment and been quite professional and really know what they want. Uh, that tended to be like the honours student that's, that's submitting his, his thesis or whatever it is and, and yeah. he's, he's a lot more tuned in there. That obviously comes down to budgets as well and who else is collaborating with him. And one of the major differences, I think, with the professional film set is you can see the hierarchy there. You're not dealing with the producer. You're dealing with the the second assistant director and she's running that bit and, and then the, the main director's off in his booth behind his screens and you can hear him yelling and screaming a bit but he's not talking directly to you. Whereas the student ones, you sort of know everyone and everyone's involved and the director is probably the cameraman as well. Yeah. And he's talking to you and what he wants out of the character, whereas the professional ones is you're getting it through the various hierarchy. You know, you're not right up the top there, so that's separated from you. There's a lot more distance between the director and what's happening. So he'll be behind his screens probably even up to 100 metres away. He's yelling at his assistant director. That guy's in charge of that sort of stuff. The extras is run by another person. And it's sort of, you, you're more siloed in those different groups. Yeah, so right. Everyone has their specific role and that's what they do. Exactly. Yeah, kind of like a construction site, I'd say. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone, you know, sometimes on a, on a film set, I, I do relate that to a construction site in that you, you go past a construction site and, you know, there are two kind of main similarities. One is you see a lot of people sitting around doing nothing. Correct. But <laughs> when, you know, just like on a film set, but, you know, when they're needed, they're up and they're very busy. Yeah, bang, um, it's on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then other people are sitting down, not doing their, they're not needed at that stage. And then a <laughs> film set is also, or the, the process of making a movie uh, or a stage play is, is also similar to a construction project in that you you always have to start down with the, the foundations. You know, you can't build a building without a, a proper foundation and a proper structure. Um, and with a film or with a, with a, a you know, a, a stage play, then that would be the story and you start working up from there. And every every component is vital uh, to, to the overall success of that process. Absolutely. You're right about the foundation. I mean, the building might look great. No good if it falls over when you put the top brick on the top, you know, and all the wind blows it over the next day. So totally agree with that. Um, the other thing too, the difference between the the professional one uh, and the student one is, is the waiting around time. 
you know, the student ones are able to get through a lot of stuff because, all right, now this shot, this shot, and, you, and you're involved. Whereas the professional one, they've got their schedule, they've worked it out before, they've stepped through it. And guys, go sit down. We're filming this over here. You'll be called for when you need it. That sort of a thing. There is a lot of waiting around. Yeah. Take a book or a magazine or, uh, or something to occupy yourself. Yep. If you'd like any further information about this episode or you want to connect with Jim via social media, be sure to head over to our website at actingclassesinperth.com forward slash episode three. Jim, have you had to face any major hurdles in pursuing acting? Reflecting back on it, the hurdles I faced are probably internal to my own mind, just like anything else. Overcoming fear, overcoming perception within friends and family. And it's probably perception in my own head rather than everyone else's, you know. Yeah. Again, coming from a bit of a harsh industry, the mates find out what you're into. Their initial perception of acting is, is you're probably the, the gay guy on stage in, in tights, prancing about as opposed to them thinking about you're going to be the action, the tough action hero, you yeah, know. So, right. um, But it, it's been surprising when I finally had the confidence to admit and tell people I'd, I was into this. There's a lot of interest, you know. What? You're acting? In and I take the piss a lot, you know. But that's all the fun that goes with it. You don't take it personally and you just pursue it because at the end of the day, they're still sitting in the pub over beers, might be gossiping behind your back about it, but they're still there stuck there doing that and I'm out achieving different roles and expanding on, on my life experience, you know. Yeah, excellent. Uh, have there been any other hurdles that you've kind of had to manage or has that pretty much been it? That's it. I think the biggest hurdle we all face is fear. Yeah. Um, the other one I would say is if you've been out in the work environment for a long time, it's letting go. It's you walk around, and you used to say it too, and then if you can pardon the French, but, you know, we walk around with bullshit face on mm. from day to day. It's letting go of that. It's you are instantly conditioned to be politically correct. I can't say this. I have to act like this, you know. But then the character needs to be a real-life character and mm. it's sort of letting go. And you really want to make sure I speak clearly and I do that when I'm presenting myself. It's not a presentation, you know. You need to be more natural. You need to be more real about it mm. and have that authenticity and be believed. Mm. You know, and that comes with, yeah, you have to pinch her on the ass and you have to slap that kid and you have to yell at him and, and that might make you very uncomfortable. Um, it's that letting go and committing. That's probably been the biggest challenge of as I've gone along. And, and really exploring those characters without judgment. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and have you... Um, cut that out. So do you have any advice then for for someone who, let's say, m is really interested in pursuing acting but they're maybe a bit nervous or unsure or, or not really, sh you know, sure if they have what it takes or that they can do it or that it seems really overwhelming or, you know, I guess what you said before about the fear, they might be getting consumed by fear. Mm. Do you have any, any thoughts, do you think? Look... I don't know today if I've got what it takes. I think if you start thinking about that and that comes with a lot of creative things and there's a lot of perception out in the world, oh, he's naturally naturally talented or the guy's just tuned into doing that or he's just a natural. I like to still research and explore that concept of whether there is true natural ability or can it be learned? It just takes others longer to do it sure. or need to put more effort in to do it, but eventually you'll get there. To me, again, I relate it back to learning a musical instrument. People just don't pick up the guitar and are natural at it. That That's false. They might tune into it quicker, yeah. but someone still has to show them technique. Someone still, they still have to learn from inspiration. They might have just been exposed to it earlier on in life or had more opportunities to do it. I would say don't overthink it. Just start. I would say learning is doing, or doing is learning, whichever way you want to do about it. If you're going to sit there and think about it too much, you probably get yourself into a tiz mm. and probably go, oh, it's not for me, oh, I'm just going to be crap at it. Who the hell knows, man? You might be crap at it for a while and then something clicks after a third, fourth audition and go, ah, this is what's happened. And then all of a sudden you'll find yourself being more successful. And, and it, it's a learning process, you know. It, things need to be added on incrementally, bit by bit, 
you're not going to be there overnight. Um, the way the world is, is everyone wants to be instantaneous yeah. feedback. Instant and, and Yeah, and it, it's just not going to happen. It's just like, and again, if you've learned a language or you've learned a musical instrument, you will know that the only reason why that dude can play like that now is hours and hours of practice and time and experience. It's just like anything else. It's better, I think, to do a few courses and just get out there and start applying it. I've known a lot of guys that are very dedicated to the cause, have been doing a lot of training and a lot of courses for probably a good couple of years, and they haven't done a single audition or they've not done a single film role. Yeah. Again, it's a hurdle and it's a fear of, I like learning about it, but I'm never actually going to go and go out there and use it. I would say do both at the same time as quick as you can. Do a bit of a course, get some basics, go and apply it. Learn from that, come back, do the next level course, add to that skill set, go and apply it, you know, yeah. and mix it up as, as quick as you can. Don't be scared about missing out in auditions. Uh, use a shotgun approach when you first start off. Just apply for everything. Yeah. You don't know what's out there. You don't know. Don't specialise too quick. Get a taste of everything. Yeah. Then you'll know pretty quickly, oh, crap at that. Oh, I was quite good at that one. Oh, I like this sort of avenue. And then yeah. later on you can sort of specialise and know where you, you fit. So I would say... That high volume of approach to it early on, um, swapping between learning and applying as much as you can, and it all the pieces it'll be a jumble to start with, but they'll fall into place mm. sooner rather than trying to work out what you are and where I want to go with this and just do study and no, I'm not ready to go out yet. I haven't learned enough. I haven't learned enough. Rubbish. Just just get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and. Looking back, I you know I guess over your two and a half years, you have definitely done some really nice things, and I, I think you've made a huge amount of progress in that time, and and um, a, a lot of respect for you for, for doing that, and a lot of respect for you figuring out how to juggle work and 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 your your you know creative outlet of acting and how to get those jobs in acting. Um, would you have any advice to kind of finish off that, that you'd like to impart with anyone listening? You know, I, I guess, is there anything that you would like to have been told when you were starting out? Or maybe there was something that you were told uh, when you were starting out that you found really, really effective. And so you, you'd like to pass that on to anyone else now as they're kind of coming up under you. In terms of what I would have liked to have known, um, and that's a bit crystal ball gazing too, you know, you're never going to know in life unless you do it, is the auditions themselves can be over a lot quicker than you think. Mm. You don't have much time to sit down and explore and develop in front of them and have this kind of conversation we're having. They want to go through a lot of people and see what you've got. Yeah. And they've been over with quite quickly and I've gone back after, oh, God, I wish I'd done this or I should have approached it that way or I didn't realise I was going to have to do that. And I think in terms of that preparation and that level of... And it comes back to the character development. You come in, you may just be speaking to camera, you may speak to another person who's countering you in a dialogue, you may just do an improv scene. You, I've had times where it's just directly down to camera, which was new for me. I hadn't really done that where the, the camera is the, the face of the person I'm talking to. So you're dealing with that as a new concept. So practice that stuff at home. Be a bit more flexible in terms of how they can approach it. There was one instance where the character I was auditioning for and a younger character which I was going to interact with, they were auditioning at the same time. And it's basically, right, you two, let's see how you get on. Don't worry about a script. I want you. And again, it was more of an abusive father role type yeah. of thing. He's going to sit there in that chair. You're going to sit there in this chair. And I want you to intimidate him so badly he's scared and he gets up and leaves. Bang. Not prepared for that at all. Right. You know, so don't hone in so much on something. But if you can develop that character and put him in different scenarios, you'll be able to quickly adapt him to, to different roles. So I would yeah. say don't go with any preconceived ideas unless you know the people and you know the process. Yeah. And maybe that's a thing too, ask what the process is. It's sort of like learning a test and saying, oh, these are the questions that I'm going to ask. And you only study for that and then you turn up and it's like, oh my God, they're different questions. And then you're stuffed, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. You really need to 
just be creative in terms of what do you if you were in the director's shoes or the casting crew's shoes what are you going to get out of this what are you going to ask these these dudes to do and practice it yourself practice it to a little camera you've got so you're used to talking to a metal object do it to your your, your girlfriend or your partner or do it in the mirror so you sort of you know approaching it in a multifaceted way so yeah the unexpected is less likely to to jar you when you're in there yeah excellent excellent advice jim thank you so much uh it's been an absolute pleasure to sit down with you for for uh about 45 minutes and have have a chat and um for you to have told your story and and shared um you know bits of information that you have found to be uh, quite important it's been an absolute pleasure man Thanks, Lon. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you considering me um, valuable for for this role that you've uh, and this. My pleasure, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Well, there you go. I absolutely loved sitting down with Jim and having a chat about his acting and his thoughts. You know what I love so much about Jim is that he's actually just such a genuine uh, guy. He's such a nice guy. And, you know, I found that with acting classes in Perth and all the work we do with our students is that the vast majority of people, you really can't read them all the time straight off the bat. You can't always judge a book by its cover. You know, Jim works in mining and construction, but when you actually sit down and meet him is such a soft, nice, caring, uh, open guy who's prepared to, uh, you know, talk about his hurdles and his struggles in life, as well as all the things that he has learnt uh, from his journey and all his journeys, I guess, not just his acting one as well. And I think what's really important and what's the strong takeaway in that episode is how Jim just, you know, he, he talks about and he opens up about his belief in himself that it's it's about taking a leap of faith it's about taking uh, a jump out there and and not always knowing where it is that you're going but knowing that when you go through that process you're always going to be learning and you're always going to be able to take stuff away and at the end of the day that's going to make you a better person and I guess that is uh, is relevant for acting as well so Jim it was an absolute pleasure thank you so much for taking some time uh, when you were back here in Perth to have a bit of a chat with us and I definitely look forward to seeing you again soon now make sure you join us next time on the acting classes in Perth student success stories podcast for episode number four because we're talking with Jasmine Nabali. Now Jasmine started with us many years ago when she was about 15. She's about 21 now and you know it's it's been a big big journey for her. She now has an agent. Uh, you know she she's grown up. She's matured as, as a person. So it's really interesting to to have had the opportunity to sit down with Jasmine and have a bit of a chat about her growth as an actor over those years and also how she she went about uh, looking at getting an agent. So make sure you tune in next time. But for now, as always, stay safe. And until I see you again soon, happy acting. Thanks for listening. And be sure to head over to actingclassesinperth.com slash success and learn how you can become a successful and fully fledged actor in Perth in less than 12 months. Be sure to tune in next time for another amazing episode of the Acting Classes in Perth Student Success Stories Podcast.